0: Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy.
1: And I am Zach. And up next, we discuss the importance of both self-discipline and agility. And after that, World of Running updates about Foot Locker Championships, Ultra Records, and more cross-country. Great to be with you once again mm-hmm. and remind you that we want to answer your questions about anything to do with running. And we'll do that at the end of the month. So submit your questions now so you can have them in time for this month's episode. Or if we run out of time, we'll answer them on the next one. Mm-hmm. So go to a to slash question to share your questions now.
0: Mm-hmm. We have been able to connect with some of you at races in person. Well, events, I should say. The Whoville 5K was super fun. And I was able to meet Sammy, who is a listener and fellow runner in the Grand Rapids area. So that was really cool finally meeting in real life and so many others of you. It was a really, really fun event.
1: Yes. And if you missed it, then you missed the festivity and the seasonalness of it. And so you won't have nearly as much fun this season, festively holiday speaking. (laughs) But... If you uh, were there, you noticed just how awesome it was. So it's one of those events. Hooville is lots of fun because it's like you know wear the costumes and go a little eccentric with it, and uh, everyone did exactly that. They yeah. what they start the whole event with like announcing the committee of crazy people, um, like the Grinch <laughs> and Thing One, Two, Three, the Mayor, and Four, of and Fourteen. Mm-hmm. The mayor Santa was there. Santa yeah, made a guest appearance just for that event, yeah. which you know he's prone to do. That was fun. So it was good. It was cool. Yeah. And and as a consequence, we are so glad that we did it, and yeah. glad to connect with many of you, lots and lots of you who did it. And so come around next year, do it again. Um, one thing I wanted to mention: we were in conversation with a few, and um, the, the question came up because this is this is kind of a fun run type of event. It's not timed, and. Many of us like to have these things timed in general. Um, Even if just they're as, or- Like, <laughs> a, like as, as a rule of thumb, w- the assumption is, well, we should time it. Um, and someone expressed, well, others feel that they don't want it timed because of the nature of the event, because it's supposed to be not serious and uh, kind of like a fun thing. And timing it would create a kind of like pressure to be more serious. And I thought to myself, no, that's an interesting scenario. And it made me think about mindset things which we've been talking a lot about lately so I wanted to just simply reflect on that and understanding that there's a pros and cons to both scenarios we get that Uh, but one of the things that came up was if you time it that creates the opportunity for people to be able to have like a timed event if they want to and kind of go out and push themselves and see what they can do. Um, and if you don't time it, that opportunity is, is not present at all. So that's the pro for those who want it timed. The con is if you time it, that people will feel greater pressure. Like if I don't run it hard, and now that time is like kind of a part of my permanent record there, or I'll want to run harder if it's timed. And if it's not timed, I won't have that pressure. And that that strikes me that in many of these types of instances, The question there is simply one of mindset. And if I am able in that situation to adjust my expectations and my perceptions, then it matters little whether there's a clock timing it Mm -hmm. granted, um, that still might not convince anyone. You know, you still might not like the feeling of, it, I get that. Um, but it is a kind of a question of with these types of events. You know, what's better, what's worse? And I think it's kind of nice to have options for both. You know, at times um, I can get that.
0: This is still a fun event, without but it was a fun a event time. without yeah.
1: it timed. Yeah, and with it timed would probably be just as much fun in my imagination. Yeah, because yeah. it was loads of that. So yeah. anyway, that was cool.
0: And I think too, it's good to do like a lot of events if you're able to and enjoy it. If that's something that you like to do and intentionally run some of them where you know it's not going to represent your best so you can kind of get in the the hang of maybe not taking it too seriously but also having times where you're like this is serious and i am going to go for a time but it's okay to post times that don't represent my fitness or represent what i'm capable of
1: well it's one yeah it's one of those you don't have to do
0: that i'm just saying like if that's something that you've been thinking about i think that could be an encouragement
1: Yes. and But think also about like the hot race scenario. So when, when I feel this way about like if, if it's not my the representation of my best effort, um, then I don't want, you know, that I, I feel badly to have that time there. Um, you know, anytime it's a hot or humid race, you cannot perform at your best effort. It simply is not possible. Um, you
0: can perform at your best effort but not well, your yes, best time
1: you. you you can't perform as well in a hot and humid race as you could if it just simply were not hot or humid on your that times same will day. be slower yes. um and so as a result it's it's that question of like so many runners i talk to many runners all the time who are very frustrated with a slow race in bad conditions and my thought is why does it matter the conditions were bad it's going to slow you down the question is not was my time slow the question is how much of the effort did i give it's still frustrating we can give
0: people i'm not saying it's not frustrating frustrating. i'm saying the
1: point is we should not give it so much power Mm, over us yeah because it's always going to be that way if it's hot we can't control it we are
0: not how fast we run
1: ah yes and so all of this being the case i think the same kind of thinking tends to tends to come into these types of things we're giving too much power to the thing that's outside of ourselves and perhaps there's ways to lessen that
0: yeah okay maybe racing more could help that's that a good my, suggestion my yes suggestion that was a good there. suggestion <laughs> and
1: racing in off times you know you don't have to race only when you feel like you're at your fittest um, because sometimes
0: you'll surprise yourself too because like it's not oh every Andy, time... you're getting
1: back to the problem though where the time matters more. well i'm just We're saying like say the, the more, opposite.
0: but the more that you do it the more comfortable you are and the more opportunities you might strike on a good day so.
1: And there's other reasons to enjoy the thing as it is, and many Absolutely. of you have said, said that to us about mm-hmm. ways, reasons you enjoy racing that are not just because of like performance.
0: Speaking so. of which, there's In another fact- race that. It- Could be on your schedule.
1: Could be on your schedule. So you definitely want to run Rivertown Races in April. It's the end of April in West Michigan. And so if you're in the Grand Rapids area, it's one of our favorites. And as far as half marathon, 10K and 5K events go, you've got a few options. So it can kind of meet the flavor you need. Now, that being the case, it's also especially great because we're part of it. Yeah, which makes everything better. So if (laughs) if you are looking for some training support and you sign up for that event, then you have access to a generic training plan that we've made for anyone for each of the events. But also you can get a 50 percent off discount for a customized training plan if you are already registered, which means you need to register now, because if you wait to register, you can't get the benefit of. The customized training plan um if you're anything like me and you like to wait until a week before to register for events don't do that here so register now go to rivertownraces.com and you can learn all about it and then there's a training page there on the website and that's how you're going to access our material as well and the other side of this that's important to know is let's say rivertown races is not your primary goal for the season but you're training for something in the spring time and you want to run some other races If you sign up for Rivertown Races, but you're training for, let's say, a marathon later on or 25K or something like that, you can still get the discounted training plan because you are signed up for Rivertown Races. Customize, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this is an exciting opportunity for anyone who's running Rivertown Races in the spring. And you want to know more, go to a, or sorry, go to rivertownraces.com. With that, let's get on to the main topic. So I have thoroughly enjoyed the writings of one psychologist, Peter Hollins, who writes, he actually, his shtick is about like helping college students be better at learning. And so like you can study and have it be more productive and you can like get better grades because you're remembering things better, um, you know, and, and he sells lots of books. No surprise there, right? Uh, but I've read a lot of his material because I'm, I'm fascinated with the psychology of learning, which is the way he focuses on it, like the neuropsychology. How does your brain work and how do we then do things to help it work better? And most recently, he was publishing um, his newsletter to kind of sell his latest course that he came out with, and the course is on, it's called Build Yourself Discipline. And specifically, trying to address the problem of procrastination and how we can be more productive by simply implementing some new strategies and approaches.
0: And so that gave us the idea to do an episode about running as it pertains to this topic.
1: Yes. So that's one of the things, as I've read Holland's work, um, I'm finding that his his appeal is very general. Um, these are the kinds of things that just help us be better at accomplishing things we want to try to accomplish, regardless of what they are. And so as we started thinking about it, we're thinking, okay, self-discipline is important. So we're gonna dwell on that for a little bit. But if I am too self-disciplined, especially as we talk with many of you, as adults who live lives beyond just our sport, um, who are multi-dimensional humans, you know, Mm -hmm. we work, we have families, we have like just personal enjoyments that we wanna have time for sometimes. Uh, Well, I guess some of you do, I I don't (laughs) know much about that. But so that being the case, how do we then address the balance well also and that's Mm -hmm. something that i think is especially important to enjoying the things that we are being disciplined about so let's let's talk a little bit about both of these things and try to kind of mesh them together in a way that works for runners so the first thought was um if if self-discipline is kind of this idea of like controlling my life um Peter Holland specifically isolates the concept of attention within that. And what most of self-discipline and most of productivity is about is what I'm doing with my attention to what am I attending. Um, and that came that reminded us as we were discussing recently about the book flow when we were specifically looking at some of the mindset things related there and that concept of attention chaos. You remember that? When we were when mm-hmm. we were discussing that, um, so attention chaos is like this idea that I'm not doing anything to control my attention; it's just being dragged in every direction that something wants to drag it. <laughs> doesn't doesn't that
0: sound that. like a lot of our lives?
1: <laughs> I mean, basically, that's that's what it means to live, you know, as an adult with a family and a job and right. My attention's just going every direction. Yes, so that's familiar. So if attention chaos is the worst possible state of things, uh, what Peter Hollins is suggesting in a lot of his work is that. Procrastination is largely the result of that of kind of living in that attention chaos sense, not controlling my attention um, directly. And so then if I want to be productive, the first thing that I have to do at the root of it is to increase my self-discipline as well as consistency. And I think if if I were to say it in a phrase, I think the idea of like autopilot, just kind of living life on autopilot – just simply doesn't work. We never feel satisfied. We never feel like we're getting the things done that we needed to or wanted to get done. And we always have this question of like, well, how did I spend so much time on my phone? Mm -hmm. I just looked down and suddenly two hours have gone by or an hour has gone by. Or did I really just watch six episodes in a row of that thing? (laughs) Really? Yes, yes I did.
0: And on the up opposite side of like autopilot, we don't want to be driven by momentary desires mm. either. So we don't want to also go in the impulse. direction of impulse. So then what also can harness that is self-discipline.
1: Yeah. So it, it at the root of it um, is this thought of like, where how am I then conditioning my attention, controlling my attention, or learning to um, discipline my attention is, is kind of the thought there.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, when I brought up the element of desire, Mm -hmm. and I know this is not what's written about in this material, but when we talk about self-discipline and crafting our desire and not having that chaos of desire as well. So finding out our intentions helps us then craft what will be our Mm. our path, our schedule, our self-discipline actions.
1: Yeah, Jaron Lanier writes a lot about social media um, algorithms. And one of the things that he expresses is that the reason they win the social media algorithms is because they make you think you want the thing. But all along, it was behavior modification. Mm -hmm. They were trying to find a way to create a desire in you that was not there before. And once the desire is there, they don't have to do any more work. Now you want it and you think you want it because you want it, but really you want it because they made you want it. And so that that's what the, that's what this kind of like this attention chaos thing. You know, when I think about the things that tend to like I feel like I want to do a certain thing with my time um, and then there's something else that I should do and I don't really want to do it as much. How did that happen when the thing that I should do is going to lead to the desirable outcome, you mm-hmm. know, like. I'll get something done i'll be more productive i'll accomplish some big goal let's talk running talk for a moment i want to achieve this big goal right and it's you know big goals and running tend to take a long time to achieve because it, nothing happens quickly for a runner except for when you're fast then i guess some things could happen quickly but anyway so nothing happens immediately right so as a result we have to be patient and consistent that's why we keep saying those two words over and over and over on the podcast Um, but, but what happens there is we get to this point where it's like, I don't really want to run today. Well, why don't I really want to run today? Well, because it sounds nicer to sleep in, (laughs) or maybe you need to sleep in. So we're not saying you shouldn't, you know, that's, we're again, we're going to talk about the balance here in a minute, (laughs) but so something else sounds better to me. Um, but is it really something I want more? Like, do I really want to have a little bit more time? on my phone or doing some interesting things with media or you know playing video games playing video games or watching shows you know all this stuff do i really want to spend more time doing that or do i want to like achieve this big dream of mine like qualifying for that Boston thing or running that time or getting to do my first ever thing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and of course the answer is, well, no, this, and this is what they do in the life coaching sessions with these kinds of things. By the way, they start talking about what are the big goals that you have? What are the steps to achieve them? What are you doing today to achieve those steps? Mm-hmm. So productivity is that question of like, I'm working toward that goal. And as Andy suggests, we don't always want to do that. And so part of this is like addressing, internally where is this desire coming from and why is it that the desire is skewed
0: mm-hmm. and we also want to want to do it so we want to design our desires Designer because design desires. I, our <laughs> desires so instead of being impulsive with our desires and being taken on whim i think that it's great that we can think through these things that as runners we have practice and delayed gratification but also we can take hold of what the run can bring us for that day and we've talked a lot about that on this show Mm -hmm. so is it that time with your running friend is it that time to be alone is it that time for meditation so Mm -hmm. i personally have a hard time with self-discipline sometimes but when i'm able to design my desires if i say i don't want to run well there are so many things about the run that i want that i long for Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. connection to others connection to god there's so many things that i can give towards the outlook that will help me choose that again and again. Now, of course, there are going to be days that I'm not going to like be as thrilled to do it, but I tell myself like I will feel better. So maybe I'm just going to like tell myself, I think a lot of us do this bargaining with oneself. I'm going to go outside and I'm just going to start walking because I feel tired today. I don't feel motivated. I'll just get out there and start walking. Maybe I'll run and then you end up feeling awesome and you end up doing well, your scheduled once run you
1: committed it's kind of hard to commit yourself not Just, to then
0: well get out the door <laughs> i think that that's helpful to get out the door yeah. knowing that there is actually some benefit in the momentary too and not to be resentful of your long term goal or start doubting that long term goal because there are gifts to be had in the moment too mm-hmm.
1: yeah and and most of um most of mindset work around this area will ultimately lead us toward this goal of it's not really all always about this big outcome somewhere down the road. It's also about like entering into and this is what the whole entire work around the concept of flow did is it helped us grasp the concept of I want to do this thing now for this thing now. And it's and I don't have to think about anything else I can right. thoroughly be involved in. And enjoy this and
0: I truly think that's how we can thrive Mm. it's finding the benefit in the momentary or the joy in the momentary whatever running might bring you for the day as well as then you can look towards future goals too because there are a lot of things to be had but if that doesn't come to fruition if I get injured like the 50% of runners who are injured right now is that the stat (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, something like 25% are injured, percent right, of now, are injured or... right
0: now, then, yeah. then I'm not going to think that was a waste. No, because every run, there was benefit for me for my body and for my thriving in life. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the very beginning of self discipline is this idea of training my attention. And that's, that's where, so if we go back to kind of the reason we were starting to think about this in general, Peter Holland's work begins with this idea of I have to command my attention. And in order to do that, uh, we really have to understand what things are dragging our attention away <laughs> unknowingly and take just take a short inventory of my attention and where it goes in a given uh, period of time. But also think about what are the things that I need to attend Uh, To which I need to attend in order to achieve whatever the state of productivity is that I that I want. So I have to create for myself a vision of self-discipline and that involves primarily to what I am attending. And so as I do that, then I can really kind of create a sense of I know where I need to be giving focus. And I also know that that's not going to be perfect all the time. Enter then agility.
0: Agility. (laughs) I like that word for it.
1: Agility. Well, I was thinking, you know, because you can use the words like adaptability. You can use words like flexibility. I don't think flexibility works in in as broad a sense as agility.
0: (laughs) Flexibility (laughs) and adapting are like words that we use in running. Yes. Yes. And they have different meanings. And they have different so meanings. So it's better to use. But so does well, agility. agility Andy, I guess agility does. All these do... words have multiple okay, meanings. All these words, yeah. yeah. You're right.
1: So we're talking about cognitive agility, yeah. and emotional agility, not schedule physical agility. agility. Uh, yes. Uh, so then, then in that sense, uh, in order to balance this out, um, I have to have a clear sense of self-discipline, mm-hmm. but I also have to be able to respond positively when something interrupts that. And so this agility thing is not meaning like some days I'm not in the mood. And so I'll just have a different solution. That's not exactly because, you know, self-discipline is going to hopefully uh, be the thing that helps me get into that, regardless of whether, you know, I felt like I wanted to that day. Um, But is there uh, some external need to adjust? And so it can be, you know, things like family and or um, health and or, uh, you know, just other priorities that have to take precedence over my
0: running goals today. Right. And I think that having the holistic piece in mind is going to help us do that. We've given suggestions on the show of how to modify your training. We actually have a whole episode about modifying your training based on interruptions or things that might happen in your life. So
1: there's the disruptions episode. This disruptions Good go back, Yes.
0: Um, but I think when we are able to see like, OK, this is what's important. So, OK, my family is going to be to to take precedence or you know my health my overall health is going to be the most important thing when it comes to my training outcome too so like if i'm going to run no matter what even at the detriment of my ability to recover that's also not a wise choice so Mm -hmm. moving away from like this very this this run and the amount that it says on my schedule to seeing like okay what was it supposed to do for me today now let's be agile
1: Mm Yeah, that's good. So, if if agil- agility is what it ought to be, then it's really about how am I responding positively to mm-hmm. these things. Um, so, part of that is a question of I also need to know what types of things should cause adjustment, um, and and or what types of things uh, should I not necessarily feel like I need to adjust accordingly. Um, And this is where you know, so that that topic in particular, we covered at length with the disruptions episode. um, But also just thinking about there are kinds of disruptions um, that don't necessarily demand adjustment in the same way as other things. And so we tend to feel like uh, the type of adjustment we have to make is Uh, polar uh, sorry binary like I either do it or don't do it I either have it or don't have it Um, but a lot of times the type of adjustment also has to do with just the degree of intensity toward a thing and I mean that literally in running like effort wise but also I mean that like figuratively in terms of like how much focus am I putting on this in a given period of time and how much attention am I giving to this so I can have situations where it's like you know I I'm planning out my running schedule very specifically to a significant degree. And I know exactly when I'm doing strength and mobility routines and how much time I'm spending with those. And I have it like regimented. Um, And that's kind of like the state of I know what every minute is used for and where it's going and when I'm doing it. And so that's good. But at the same time, that's a degree of intensity that isn't always possible. Right. And so I could still fit all those things in in another scenario. But I don't necessarily wake up every morning knowing exactly when I'm going to do each thing, as much as it's I try and trying to fit them in where they go. We just have to be careful because when I try to live in what I might call an agile state like that, it is so much easier to be disrupted which is why Peter Holland specifically recommends, and when he talks about self-discipline, is he recommends high levels of structure as the status quo. The baseline is highly structured, but I'm prepared to be able to adapt if I need to.
0: Hmm. I have- You don't feel that way, do you? Well, I've always had a hard time (laughs) with schedule because what brings me a lot of joy is running with other people and it's not at the same time every week. So there have been periods of time and it is easier. Like when there's a certain day, I run with a certain person every single week, but I like to have some amount of agility in order to run with other people or like with my kids too, being able to be flexible with that. So I I do agree, I am better when there is a structure, but Mm -hmm. I do, I would lose the joy if I just went by my own schedule and wasn't adjusting to run with other people.
1: Yeah. And, and so there, it, what it tends to require is, in my situation, what's the amount of structure that helps produce the goal and you know the level of productivity necessary, um, but not so much structure that I can't fulfill it? You know, this is one of the problems where um, we run into a lot of times when you have someone else help you do something like this, you create an, an amount of structure that simply is unrealistic. It's just never going to happen. And I know it's never going to happen. But it's someone's telling me like that's good, and I need to do that.
0: So, if any of our athletes are listening, which many of you do, and you have a, the schedule from Zach that has you know the, all the mobility and strength and everything, and you're feeling overwhelmed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one ever your feels overwhelmed this is your hint
0: them. to reach out and say this is just not manageable in my life which we have had a lot of those conversations too and then we adjust and we're agile and we say what is the next best thing what is the next best scenario and what can we fit in and what things are are going to take priority as we look at the time that we have because it is mm-hmm. precious and we realize that not all of it is going to be spent on our ourselves and our training so um Our general health and well-being during the holidays, I feel like this is a really important conversation and it's one that's had a lot, but I think that it is truly something that many of us struggle with and that's getting in everything and the social obligations, the familial obligations during Christmas time.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is always for almost every runner on the planet. um, Times that are busier, like Uh, uncommon things where you have more uncommon things happening like holidays if you have family visiting or you're visiting or things like that or times when you have like breaks you know so if you've you've got kids in school when they're not in school things are very different right (laughs) so all of that kind of stuff we have to anticipate there's going to be uh, a need for a different kind of structure at different seasons of life or at different seasons of the year Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and one of the good examples of that, that I've talked with many runners who do this just as a very practical thing is I plan to have a kind of unstructured training time from the third week in November until January 1st. And it's just, that's the assumption, uh, during that period of time. And so I'm not using that to train for like some big major goal in that kind of a sense.
0: Yeah. And there's just a couple of rules of thumb that we give our athletes that we thought we'd share with you. But it might look different according to what your training looks like. But we, we say, you know, maybe not more than two days off. So, like, if you have to take a day off mm. and then something arises on the next day, like that third day, Find a way, (laughs) find a way, because your body is not going to be happy to not be supple and mobile and have that blood flow or your systems activated. So uh, making sure that you're having some kind of, even if it's just some, sometimes, (laughs) that's better than none, no times. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So we recommend not more than two days off in a row. And a lot of times, like this is not specifically for the holidays per se but finding that self-discipline we want to have flex but find the firm i like how there's a liberation there you did that on purpose the flex but find the firm you're just trying
1: to find a way to say that naturally but it just
0: before a a lot of times for me i'll be like before i go into bed i need to do my pt so whether i did it in the morning the afternoon or the evening like I'm in my pajamas. Okay. Well, I'm still doing my PT before I get in bed. So before I do X, I need to get this other thing done. That's going Mm. to help me feel better and thrive better. Sometimes that's helpful to have that framework.
1: So if, if I may, then to kind of bring us full circle and wrap it up with this single most important suggestion. This this then is Peter Holland's like, this is the thing you do first that begins all the good work here. Um, ultimately, the goal is to create uh, habits out of self discipline so that it, it's not something that I have written on a piece of paper exactly what's going to happen and when, but rather that's the way I live. Um, now that's the goal, but if that's not the way things are happening currently, then I have to find a way to create that habit. And so here's what Peter Holland suggests He says, take your attention and schedule it so for certain amounts of time certain points I can do these things or I can't do these things so I cannot look at my phone for the next three hours Um, I cannot do this game watch this show on these days Um, I can do it at this time for this amount of time and so like the whole entire premise is I'm not necessarily it's not that important exactly how much time it is or exactly when it's happening um well well it is ultimately because otherwise you know time's finite so we have to we have to fit it into the finite box but it's not really that important as much as it's i'm creating a limitation a boundary that i'm i'm agreeing to myself it's an agreement with myself that i will do this thing and then stop doing this thing or not do this thing depending on the time right and all that's doing is it's making it easy for me to start without feeling guilty and for me to stop without being uh feeling like i have to resist that like well maybe i'll just do a few more minutes no i already told myself i was going to only do this for 60 minutes and when the timer rings or in andy's case when the app pops up and says your time limit has reached its Mm -hmm. limit you don't hit the ignore button because you already told yourself that's when i'm done and so i'll be done um now if it were only that easy we'd probably be more successful at it. So the next step, and this is this is now deviating from Peter Holland's formula, but the next step is have someone else in on the party with you. Mm. <laughs> don't try to just do this by yourself in isolation because we are really good at deceiving ourselves. We're also really good at breaking promises with ourselves because there's no consequence. Well, there is a consequence. You're less productive and don't do the things you wanna do, but there's no You're consequence. You're the one who suffers. This. Yeah, so bring someone else into the fold, either to do this with you for better success or you know talk to the friend the coach the family member those type of people and say this is my plan here's what i'm going to do and here's what i'm going to tell you how it went yeah. don't put it on them yes, don't to put it on ask them. you about it because they may if they're really great friends families coaches well i shouldn't even say that because even if they are really great they might not remember to co- it's not their job to ask you about it it's your job to tell them how it went and therefore be accountable to it to the goal so Whatever that may look like, of course, that can look like whatever you want it to. The point is, is that if I want to be successful with this, Peter Holland says I start with scheduling my attention and be very specific about it initially, trying to create a habit ultimately, so I don't have to keep that schedule rigid my entire life, uh, but I'm trying to create the habit. And in order to be successful in creating that habit, I probably need other people to help me with it to be most successful. Mm-hmm. And it's, be- it's even better if they're kind of like doing it with me. So if, if you're you know, in a home with other family members, get them on board and all do this together. You're gonna be way more successful if you do that.
0: Yeah, if it's like part of the, the structure. This,
1: this is the way we live, mm-hmm. right? Okay, now you know how to be productive and you can solve all the problems. And I can tell you that an entire industry of literature is based around this concept. And the number of new books every year that come out about how to be productive and increase your self-discipline is astounding. And every one of them is a bestseller. So we know it's needed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I will remind all of you that productivity is not the king of the world.
1: Not saying it is.
0: So productivity <laughs> is great because it's gonna help you achieve your goals, it's gonna help you you know, do the things in life that you've set out to do. However, during this holiday season, if sitting with your grandma instead ah, of doing schedule
1: that into your attention <laughs> for the next two hours, I will sit with my grandma, and nothing else will be attracting my attention. No phone, nothing else, but two hours, I will do nothing else but sit with this relative and enjoy the time now. but there's think spontaneous of the blessings. That yes, happen, yes, yes, exactly. But you clearly get the point I'm leading up yeah, to. Yeah. put the phone away and tell myself, I'll look at it again in two hours, yeah, unless. There's an emergency and my kids are in pain. Right. Well, I just have I the sounds to... <laughs> just have
0: the notification yeah, yeah. Right. There's always a, there's always a thing and, and stuff. So then you don't have to look at it. If the notification will ding at you that you yeah. got a text or call. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're not done yet though because we have the World of Running.
1: Well, a congratulations is in order for Jared Congrats on the Dallas Marathon and an impressive execution of the race. So talking with Jared ahead of time for the race, and he says, well, I, I definitely want to try to run strong, run well, um, and kind of have like, uh, you know, come away from this feeling like that was a, a, an effective test of my current state of things, right? And so we kind of oriented ourselves around a race plan and then he went out there and he just like crush it did exactly that and did it really well um and so if you ever want to see you know check out jared strava and you can <laughs> see what it looks like to negative split a marathon basically almost every single mile uh it's really That's quite and quite an impressive thing and not easy to accomplish even if even if someone's you know well accustomed to doing things like that anything can happen in a marathon. And you never know. And so he, he pulled it off. Yeah, way
0: cool. to go, Jared. Congrats. Well done.
1: All right, good stuff. And, of course, uh, thanks to uh, many of you who participated in Whoville. And yeah. uh, some of our people were there, too. It's good to uh, see and Hannah
0: and Adi. Yep, mm-hmm.
1: good stuff. Well, let's start in on first up being Foot Locker, which it's is- It's not
0: called Foot Locker, Zach.
1: I'm going to call it that because that's what it is, Andy. <laughs> it will always <laughs> it be. It is the national championships for high school cross country, if there is, um, One and there's always there's always a constant debate. So you heard us talking about Nike Cross Nationals last week, which were were well
0: attended by really impressive. Yeah, Nike
1: Cross was bigger than it's ever been, but that's because they've been expanding it deliberately. Nike has been a lot of people have been complaining because Nike is like crossing into other races turf by doing that, Uh, Um, because Nike has always been like the team cross country championship, uh, and Footlocker is has always been like the individual like the stars of the stars kind of thing, and now between the two of them. If you were to combine them, then you basically had all the stars of the stars. Uh, but there were many at Nike Cross who didn't run Foot Locker, and there were others at Foot Locker who weren't in Nike Cross. And so you didn't really get a Pure representation of what happens if you put all of the very fastest high schoolers together in one race. Yeah, uh, which is kind of what they're trying to accomplish with these things. Right. Yeah. But anyway, it was it, close it was, enough.
0: Both of the races were highly impressive. So yes,
1: and, and it's not. Uh, don't get me wrong. Personally, I like more race opportunities. Yeah. I am always the fan of let's just have more of this kind of stuff. However, I would like to have an opportunity to like see what happens if all the best high schoolers run against each other one time on the same day. Cause that just never happens. Uh, But in this instance, we got a good flavor between the two at the very least. So Foot Locker was incredible. It's not called Foot Locker this year. It wasn't called Foot Locker last year either. Um, It's gone between like whoever sponsors it. It changed the name. East Bay was the the most recent one running lane. Uh, And then now, so you had the champs sports, cross-country championships because champ sports is a sponsor this year um, but what it is is it's basically the most historic high school so you can go back in the history of footlocker and see who were the people who like you know the footlocker champs of all these years and what did they go on to do because chances are the top finishers and footlocker go on to do great things it seems
0: and you can literally see that because we yes. are linking to the footage where they did that in the broadcast they actually they showed went it was really they're cool like, here's jenny simpson and emily, Sis- and and emily Simpson and, and, and dathan ritz and dathan grant fisher and, yeah. yeah so that was actually pretty pretty cool and enlightening and it also yep. just gave the event even more hype before you got to see these kids yeah. come up and they're like you know it's essentially like remember these names because remember how
1: epic this race is
0: because yeah. the kids that come out of this are likely athletes that you no. will follow in the future
1: yeah for example dathan Ritzenheim, two-time footlocker champion you know goes on to break an american record and three-time olympian grant fisher two-time footlocker champion wasn't
0: he i don't know I why thought, you're asking i me. think you want to but he uh, you know footlocker he two champion american goes records. on to break three american <laughs> <laughs> records and uh Sorry, is it three now is it four
1: now anyway so and, and uh you know all this stuff so anyway those are just two examples and the reason why i brought those up at all is because it's also worth noting that michigan as a state, remains tied for the boys' championship with the most titles from one state. Woot, woot. That's Michigan with eight individual titles. Yep. California cool. also has eight. So I guess you can give the shout out there too. But, you know, we're not from California. So all right.
0: But a lot of you are. So we'll nod to In you. In fact, yes. And the
1: girls' <laughs> side, California holds the most with, I think it was 10 individual titles. So that's something um, very cool stuff. So historically we got that. It's really cool. And you should go check out the video footage to get more of that We'll link to that. We're also linking to the results and the coverage for both the girls and the boys races, because we're going to say some names and we're going to uh, mention a few things here that aren't necessarily going to be terribly familiar. But if you go read the coverage from Diestat, you get a more kind of fuller picture of all the people and the who's who and mm-hmm. such. It's always cool. Well, on the girl's side, it was an interesting race.
0: I think it's usually pretty interesting, it, it right? In cross country is. when there's a lot of hills, there's going to be dynamic racing. <laughs> yeah.
1: So they, this is a famous course. They always run Foot Locker at the same course in San Diego Balboa Park, I've which been I've there. I run there. Yeah, Balboa Park is quite hilly. So when they when they say this is a hilly course, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've run on some of those hills. They're not small. No. And when you're running 5K hard, it's even worse. <laughs> so these kids, you know. Smart
0: kids, by Smart the way. kids. A lot of them. <laughs> running,
1: running really uh, savvy races. So what you had in the girls race is you had um, some early lead changes, kind of a little bit of back and forth. Uh, and, and then a pack breaks away. And what was interesting is once the pack started breaking away, like one after another four, four or five of these girls would like surge and kind of string it out a little bit. And then they'd catch back up and then someone else would surge like yep. right away. There was no rest. So that one thing I took away as I was watching the girls race is like the winner of that race was just like the toughest of the tough, because there was no chance <laughs> yeah. to take a break. She was doing
0: race. some leading to the gal. Did who did a lot of, We're yeah. going to get she to her a lot name of in just surges. a minute, but the I think the smartest race plan would to let all, would be to let all the other girls surge and surge and surge right. and wear themselves out and then make your move at the end. But they all did their fair share of well, surging.
1: Yes, and Carrie Baloga's surging was the most violent because she did it on the uphills, and that's not nice. That hurts. <laughs> it
0: was smart of her because it, it, it proved to be successful. Carrie was the winner of the girls race.
1: Yes. And it'll be notable here in a moment as to why, but she's going to be heading to Colorado for college. So the Buffaloes are acquiring yet another footlocker champion among, among several others that they've acquired over the years. Um, And, and as it goes, she ran the eighth fastest time ever on that course as well in 1649 for a challenging course, high school girls, cross country race, that, is an incredibly fast time
0: right right when you have people like sarah hall jenny simpson or you know these these women right. who've gone before her that are legends in the sport
1: jordan Hasse. yeah and, yep and so she's running fast. She, now she's and, yeah. like
0: eighth all time she's in in good company
1: legendary <laughs> company that's got to be really exciting yeah. for her
0: yeah and this is not her first time at the event she was fourth last year third
1: time in fact at footlocker national championships she was 11th as a sophomore fourth as a junior and then won it as a senior yeah. so beloga really just uh kind of like showing you know experience matters here. yeah yeah that was pretty cool
0: and when they were doing the announcing they were saying that she studied the course and she i mean she's, I mean, run, it she's run it through. but like she's thought she was thinking it through like she had a strategy going yeah. into it
1: definitely that so that was cool that was exciting on the boys side it was also a very interesting race but a very different race and the main thing here is um, you had the announcers just totally perplexed as the race is unfolding because they have in their heads like, here are the kind of the boys who are the favorites to win the race, right? And right out of the gun, Hunter Jones, who happens to be from Michigan, by the way, Benzie Central, um, Hunter Jones goes out hard,
0: hard, yeah, just
1: flying off the line
0: 14 800 is that, that it? what it was
1: 214 or something <laughs> but but through 400 it was like blazing fast and and then he started slowing already after four hundred. Right. So oh it was yeah it's even faster than that yeah so as he you know as he takes it out people start kind of going with him but they can't keep up he's going so fast that th- he just runs it's away from tr- everyone. it's
0: strung out so fast
1: so quickly and <laughs> And so right away it's like, okay, this, this is like a 39 person race. And so it's not like it's going to be super crowded and such. And to string out a race of the best of the best in high school boys, um, like that is just, you know, either this guy knows what he's doing or everyone's sitting there wondering, is that the right move here? Cause these guys are fast behind you. They're gonna, they're gonna catch up. Right. Well, um, it turns out that it didn't pay off for him in this instance, uh, but but it made it interesting because he still finished 10th overall. Yeah, he still so did great. Which we should mention, you know, right away, top 10 finish at right. Foot Locker after a bold stroke like that early on. Uh, but what it, what it came down to is it wasn't long after about 800 when Cole Matheson catches, along with others. He was not by himself, but catches up and Matheson takes the lead and then... Never gives it back.
0: Never gave it up.
1: And that's not for others' want of trying. Oh,
0: they tried.
1: They tried a lot. Yes. But he simply wouldn't let anyone else lead the race. And this is, again, just a very interesting move. Now, to his advantage, um, one of his strengths appears to be downhill running.
0: Wow, yes. He goes
1: really fast when the hills like, are down.
0: <laughs> huge separation going down the hills. Huge.
1: And he's got the technique to prove it cuz he starts windmilling his arms <laughs> like, a bit and just looks like he's just, just like
0: crazy. Like he looks out of control.
1: He actually did look a little bit out of control, but but it worked for <laughs> but him. it worked, yeah, he must each have had time, the muscle strength through. Yeah. This course is a two-lap course and so they hit this this major downhill twice. And each time he just punished everyone. He came yeah. down the hill so fast, um, so they had to like all catch back up to him yep. afterwards. The first time, and is like, okay, that yeah, this will be interesting.
0: And the so, second time was him running away. Yeah,
1: and uh, <laughs> for the win. Yep, and and at that time it was only a head to head duel even, and he still just ran ran away from him on the downhill with like 800 meters left in the mm-hmm. course. So Matisse wins um, in an incredible effort and amounts to I think it was the first win for first one he's from minnesota i believe but anyway um so it it was it was a very impressive run he ran nike cross nationals a week before and was fourth as well so now looking at you know he was fourth in nike cross first in footlocker clearly this dude is top of the line yep and so that was really cool um and then he announced afterwards he's like well yeah and since i'm also going to colorado also meaning you know he and carrie from the girls race are both going to colorado he's like this is going to be a lot of fun colorado <laughs> gets both of the Foot Locker <laughs> champions which you know what a recruiting year thankfully they signed both of them before, before they won Foot Locker, right. <laughs> or they might have to give them a little more i mean i'm sure they're already yeah, going exactly. for free but so the point being that's kind of exciting now yeah. we, now we have a you know let's watch colorado buffs in the next couple of years and mm-hmm. see if these two flourish there as well
0: mm-hmm. speaking of flourishing camille heron adds yet another u.s record to her resume and now camille heron she is our ultra running star here in the usa
1: just like a revenge record it's it a took re- away my other one yeah so it I'm took gonna...
0: away her world record which she still has it but I think yeah, you remember a couple record. weeks ago where, yeah, um, she had beaten her old record, but then the course was not then ratified.
1: Yeah. Now, I just don't, I, I don't understand. So this one's, a, this one's a track one, right? This Correctly is on wrong. a track. It's so a hundred mile track, On a
0: track.
1: Like a 400 meter track. You just run a lapse yeah. for a hundred miles. Yep. I don't get that. I don't get the appeal <laughs> of ever wanting to do that.
0: Oh, well, she had a big smile on her face, as she always does. Well, that's because so she she's finds breaking all the records. She, yeah, she's <laughs> incredible. She ran 13 hours, 2 minutes, and 16 seconds. For 100 miles? Mm-hmm. Which is 7.49 wow. pace for 100 miles. So that yeah. includes bathroom breaks and eating and all of that.
1: Did she do any of that? I mean, maybe she just doesn't. Maybe she just never maybe stops. She just, I don't know. 13 hours straight. Can't stop, won't stop. Line to she, line. She uh,
0: improved her own time by about 19 minutes oh, from my. the last time that she did the event so she claimed that 100 mile track open record and i will also remind you of her other u.s record she has the 12 hour the 200k the 24 hour and then now the 100 mile so quite the resume for camille heron who is now also a masters runner so i don't know if they're also there does that they didn't matter put, they <laughs> didn't well they didn't put it like as the masters it's like it is the masters record but
1: is it a masters world record too
0: uh, it just said the U.S. record for this one, and it right. hasn't been – it's unofficial. It hasn't been –
1: Which we could we could be reporting here in a couple of weeks that they've taken it away. I don't know how they
0: could get the, the track wrong. Yeah, measurements
1: are a little bit easier on a track.
0: They're a little bit easier, yeah.
1: Although we have found over time as we run on tracks all over the place that not every track is actually accurately measured. Mm. Seems to be the case that every once in a while they don't really try that hard to. Pick.
0: That's crazy. I don't understand how they can get that. They're probably
1: wrong. old. It's probably oh. th- you know old tracks that you know before precision mattered as much in the sport. Anyway, so Back that to cross country that's <laughs> impressive. But let's talk a little bit more about cross country, and now Just let's get to so the much. adults here for a little bit. Cross country is like the never-ending season because uh, you talk about like college and high school cross country, which starts in like August, and then. You get into like adults run cross country sometimes. And that happens in the winter. Um, and but that's then not spring is world championships cross country. So it's but like it's not this...
0: long in the winter for the, I mean, th- they there's they not like very many opportunities races. for adults to run cross country, but it, we were going to get to it's these. It's still exciting. It though. is exciting. <laughs> it's really exciting. So this is a team event. The club
1: cross-country championships. Yes.
0: There are two different cross-country championships. In the U.S.? In the U.S. One is club cross-country championships, and then the other is individual, but both have the opportunity to be scored individually or like there are individual titles being given.
1: Yeah. And you have to think about it in two layers because uh, so for club cross country, you can't win money as an individual. They do have like money prizes for teams, uh, but there's no individual prize money. And so the reason a person runs that race when they're not part of a club that's trying to compete for it is predominantly because they often get selected, based off of the finish of that race, for international cross-country races.
0: Which Zach has been selected. He in w- fact. He represented Team USA. My one,
1: my one time <laughs> being able to run for Team USA. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, as it goes, it's, it's incentivized right. for these runners who are going to potentially run more cross-country later on. They want to do this race. It's usually their first cross-country race of the season um, because the some of the international contests like the north america central america like the uh pan am any of those types of things um oh there's a couple in europe as well that are international and so all of those tend to happen before the u.s cross-country championships actually happens so they can't select from that mm-hmm. in any event it makes for a really interesting
0: race it does because we get a lot of really good athletes that will come and run this and it's fun because a lot of them are track athletes. So to True. see them in a completely different environment is pretty thrilling. Yeah, I well, think.
1: it's like we didn't report on it but because uh, there were too many things to report on. But um, when On Athletics Club raced that cross-country race um, oh, yeah. last weekend, that was cool. two weeks ago, whatever that was. Really that was cool. Yeah, All these 1,500-meter track stars running cross-country 10Ks. It's like, what are you doing out there?
0: <laughs> so all of you from Michigan can be proud because the winners the repeat champions
1: they do a lot <laughs> they win this one a lot
0: of uh, the, the cross-country club national championships was Hanson's Brooks distance project no
1: surprise out of Michigan
0: and the women's winner was Bethany Haas and she's of Boston Athletics Association and this is her first USATF title and mm. And she can be very proud of herself because she edged out last year's winner and previous podcast guest Natasha Rogers, who's ah, an extremely Hansen's. strong runner of Hanson. She led them to their victory, yep. and uh, that was just a really strong run. And it was exciting. It was down to the last, <laughs> the last hundred meters. I mean, they were right neck and neck until the finish line. Yeah, really, yep. yep. And then Andrea Rodenfels of Boston Athletics Association mm. was third. And on the men's side. There's a name that you may be familiar with, but not when it comes to cross country necessarily.
1: Not ever. (laughs) Actually, when it comes to cross country. country? I I mean, he he ran uh, cross country in college, but he wasn't good.
0: He was, I'm sure he was good. (laughs) Zach. (laughs) That's really funny. All right. All right. Um, Yeah. It was Cole Hawker, our 1500 meter.
1: Myler Star out of Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah and he won 5 seconds over Tom Anderson
1: from Club Northwest mm-hmm. which now you get into so Club Northwest is always a prominent force at the Club Cross Country Championships they've got a lot of great runners at the kind of sub pro level who run very strong in cross country and so then you get things you get names like Tom Anderson who you're not going to see his name on the you know the track and field maybe not yet yet or <laughs> always but in a cross country race like this you'll see his name mm-hmm. so that's cool
0: Zach Panning of Michigan and Hanson's Brooks Distance Project was third, ah. and he led his team to victory. And the interesting thing about this event that I wanted to bring up, because I just love the little interesting tidbits, is that they changed the venue last minute
1: Oh, to yeah. a
0: horse track
1: uh, due what? to a
0: fallen tree on the original course.
1: Was this in Kentucky?
0: No, it's always in the same place. It's always No, that. it's not always in
1: the same place. they move it around all the time.
0: Oh, well, it was in the same place as it was last year, I believe.
1: Which way okay. anyway, Sacramento, the reason, the reason I ask it all is Sacramento. because where do you have a horse track nearby when you're running a cross country race? Um, of course, the answer there is uh, they did. And so a tree falls on the course. My first question in that situation is if a tree falls on the course and it's a cross country race don't you just deal with it <laughs> don't you just <laughs> run over and around and through it i mean it's cross country after all it's kind of the spirit of the sport so in my mind right there that for me is like an awesome opportunity to just have a crazy cross-country race and let's do it let's run over the tree but okay, in this instance, it was in san francisco, san
0: francisco california and it is okay. different you're right it, it is different all the time yes um but the thing that i do want to mention about what you just said is that i've run it and they like had me jumping over hay bales oh yeah and I it was so muddy it was hor <laughs> i as normally like a, a rhythm runner i like consistency i i prefer track to be honest with you road races that have a lot of straight lines so not my jam to be like not diving down nope. like mud hills that are curving at the bottom and then jumping over hay bales yeah. so but they had i that would have been a great course for me the horse track so
1: I mean it it <laughs> certainly would help. Now that's like a paved track, right? Cause now it's not paved. No, it's no. dirt. Okay, it's dirt horse track. Okay, good stuff. Well, as it goes, um that that made for, you know, some need for flexibility and agility for the athletes. Well, Maybe there, maybe
0: there, it was partially, but I did see some dirt. It could have been partially.
1: I'm not too worried about the exact surface. My point is simply that it was a change. Um, and this is, this is where you get, you you get some interesting things. I I think this is a fascinating study in the sport because when you're talking like the major national or or international level competitions, um, they're highly rigid. They are not flexible by nature. Um, and so even questions of do we change the schedule because it's super hot and they'll, you know, do things like in the Olympic trials for the United States last year, uh, or us championships, not Olympic trials. Um, they, you know, competed in crazy hot conditions when they yeah. probably should have just said, let's wait four hours and do this later on mm. when the sun's not baking our track. Um, there's actually a lawsuit <laughs> against a lawsuit. USATF right now about that from one of the athletes. So as it were, they do something like that. But then you have like that 10K last year uh, for the the U.S. championships um, where it was only the 10K event. It wasn't like a full on meet. And they changed the day of the race last minute because of conditions. Um, And so you get a situation like that where it's not, it's like a smaller thing. It's not one of the big events and they're much more flexible. Club cross country is another one of those where a number of times they've changed course things last minute, you know, one, because it was like, suddenly it was super muddy through the section and it was like a foot deep of mud because it had rained or something. So they just reroute the course and, you know, things like that they can do. And I kind of like that. It makes Except for, uh,
0: then, then if there is someone who runs a record, they don't get that. Yeah, ratified. of course.
1: But in situations like this, they almost never run records yeah. anyway. Now These well, aren't the events where that kind of stuff happens. But
0: yeah. I did want to mention real quick, give a quick shout out to mm. Katie Izzo. Okay. She's running for Adidas now, but she's contributed to our website before. So I wanted to give her a little shout out. She was sixth place.
1: Well done. Sixth yeah. place finish. Good, good. Yeah. And I'm just I'm glancing at the men's results because we often see some names. So Isaac Updike is one I'll mention. um, He had like this resurgence in or not resurgence, but uh, the surge in steeplechase recently. And so he's just kind of one of those who's on the upswing. And it's cool to see his name in multiple different events Mm -hmm. because, you know, keep watch over him. See what he can do this next year as well. Good stuff. All right. Well, that kind of does it. There's certainly other things happening Mm -hmm. um and so we'll catch you up on all of the latest once again next time around but for now if you feel like you need something to plan for in the spring and you're going to be in the west michigan area rivertown races not a bad idea and if you sign up and then visit their training stuff you'll find our name listed there because we're involved (laughs) but wherever you
0: are we can help support you.
1: That's what I was about to say. And so in let's say you're not running Rivertown races, but you still would like some custom training support. That's a thing that we do a lot of lately. And we're glad to help you out if we can. And it only takes a couple of minutes on your part to get the process started. You go to the running, go to the website, a runningcom dot slash coaching. Look for the training plan builder and just fill out that form and we'll get it started right away.
0: Mm-hmm. And it takes about two minutes. No, for us to turn oh, it around. Two days. Two days. takes about 48 hours for us to turn around to you with plan. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.